This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mud Her Code. Well, I am super excited for today's show. Welcome to Mud Her, rewriting the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And I have the wonderful honor and privilege to sit down and speak with Tamar Samuels. So welcome, Tamar. So happy to have you. Thank you, Gertrude. I am so happy to be here. <laughs> Yay. Well, we're going to have fun. Tamar has just some wonderful wisdom, both from her journey and what she, you know, what she does and brings to the world that I know you all are going to get so much from. And I'm looking forward to even more getting to know you more and, and the beautiful work that you do. So I'm going to say some things about your particulars kind of in the world and then open it up to share kind of how you got to be doing what you're doing. So Tamar, registered dietitian, nutritionist, and co-founder of Kalina Health. Tamar has a unique and holistic approach to healthcare, which integrates functional medicine, which I love, positive psychology, love, 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 and behavioral change techniques that have all been pulled from her training in clinical nutrition and coaching science. She's helped countless people transform their relationship with food and their health to overcome a variety of health conditions. So Tamara is going to share kind of how she got to be doing that. But I also want to say like, you know, this woman's been doing some great work because it's been recognized and she's shared in the Huffington Post. Well and Good named her one of the top holistic nutritionists in New York City. I, to me, that seems like that's all you have to say, because I'm sure there's a ton of nutritionists <laughs> in New York City. So I think that's awesome, but also serves on the advisory board of Health Magazine. So wonderful work that you're doing, Tamar, and I'm excited that we get to talk about it and dig in today. So why don't you, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of sharing your journey, how you got here and to be doing what you're doing, and we'll go from there. Yeah. I mean, speaking of mothering, I have major imposter syndrome. So hearing my bio, I'm always like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's a big that. one for us. All those things. Yes. I know. That's why I kind of like to say it sometimes it's to remind, you know, and I, when I hear it, it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to celebrate and honor it. I think it's, that's a very healthy habit, right? In the positive psychology. It's yeah. It's yeah. So well, thank you for much that more lovely important. introduction. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, yeah, so my journey really got started um, almost 10 years ago. I was struggling with a chronic condition called small intestine bacterial overgrowth. It's a GI condition. It's actually pretty cool because there's a lot more awareness about this condition now in not just the functional medicine community, but in conventional medicine and especially with registered dietitians. But 10 years ago, not too many people were talking about it. Um, now that we know much more about IBS mimickers like SIBO, we, before sort of GI docs and just generally speaking, people would kind of talk every, all GI symptoms up to IBS. <laughs> oh, you must have IBS. So 
like nothing we can really do about that. Yeah, Thankfully, right. that's actually the way more... things get generalized like that. It's so annoying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thankfully now we have so much more robust research and testing and um, even medications to support people with IBS and SIBO. But 10 years ago, there wasn't much. So I actually saw a GI doc who had mentioned SIBO. She actually did do testing for me and she was like very much ahead of her game in terms of being ahead of the research on top of the most recent research. And I was diagnosed with the condition, but there really wasn't much treatment except for a handful of antibiotics, which Mm. I took and they did not work or they worked at first, but then, you know, my symptoms would come back. And oftentimes for people who have SIBO, the condition is recurring. So maybe I should backtrack a little bit. SIBO stands for small intestine bacterial overgrowth. It's a GI condition in which the microbes in our large intestine sort of relocate to the small intestine, which they're not really supposed to live there. And so that becomes problematic because they are digesting our food earlier on in the GI tract than they should be, which tends to cause a lot of gas and bloating and discomfort with eating. And also with SIBO, it does some damage to the small intestinal lining, which is one cell layer thick. And so people with SIBO tend to have a lot of inflammation because their small intestine is hyperpermeable, which then causes a number of other food sensitivities. And it's sort of like cascade of yeah, really ripple effect and mm, yeah, yeah it's just super yeah. challenging to manage <laughs> yeah. my daughter has and, a friend with some I don't know if it's exactly what you're talking about but she calls it IBS and it's yeah so I'm definitely going to put her in touch with you <laughs> yes we are here yeah. to help yeah. um, it's a super challenging condition and I think yeah. you know what I struggled with the most was managing it in terms of my relationship with food and also just chronic discomfort Every time I eat, I would feel sick, incredibly bloating. I mean, I liken it to feeling and looking a couple of months pregnant, (laughs) which I'm sure the mamas out there know that (laughs) being pregnant isn't always the most comfortable thing for a lot of women, Mm -hmm. especially my pregnancy journey, but it's super challenging to manage. And with that, I started restricting a lot of food, sort of self-managing my condition. And I started to get a lot of food fears and obsessive thoughts around food and really was just constantly thinking about food. Can I eat out? If I do eat out, what am I going to eat? Am I going to be sick? Are there supplements that I can take? Mm. Can I wear this outfit because I'm going to be bloated? Like the fear of the unknown of when, what would trigger my symptoms and when and how bad they would be. Just really was damaging to my mental health and certainly Mm. my relationship with food. And so I embarked on this journey over time and became a registered dietitian. I um, started my own private practice. And with that practice, I really became super passionate about working with patients in clinical nutrition and their relationship with food. Um, but then I realized like people don't just change because you tell them to change, <laughs> which was, you know, a light went off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I got really into coaching and I pursued my coach training, got my certification. And that's sort of how my specialty started to form. And 
you know, here I am 10 years later. And as part of that journey, I synced up with my co-founder, Vanessa Rosetto, who's also a registered dietitian. Um, and she was actually my preceptor at Mount Sinai Hospital. And both of us, we were practicing care very similarly in that we were providing personalized, sustainable nutrition counseling in a way that was accessible through insurance. And so we were like, whoa, mm-hmm. you're doing something very similar, even though you have a different, um, like a, a different counseling style and, and a different specialty. Our philosophy on nutrition is very similar. And we created Kalina Health. And over the last year, we have become a startup. Um, mm-hmm. And we now have 40 registered dietitians and counting. Wow. And yeah, and we are providing personalized clinical nutrition care that integrates behavior modification and lifestyle medicine to support patients across the country. And we take insurance. So that's my journey. <laughs> that's beautiful. A couple of questions just specifically about, you know, how you work and operate, because it was so important to you to get the personal coaching regarding that such that you got certified so you can help people. So is that part of that's all integrated? So the people that are part of Kalina Health are also coach certified or or is that separate in there? How have you kind of navigated? I'm this is totally out of my curiosity because it's, you know, so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Such a great question. So all of our dietitians are, they're not all certified, but they are all trained in behavior modification um, and coaching science. So they all are very well versed in behavior modification, how to support our patients, not just providing by providing education, but by supporting yeah. behavior change specifically. Um, so we have very comprehensive training for our RDs. Yeah. So they they get specific training from you all. They don't just get to come in like, yeah, I have a, you know, nutrition certification degree, you know, at any and all those things, then they go through your training specifically. Um, that's right. Your, your secret sauce. Uh, that's right. Yeah. All right. of our dietitians are dietitians. And so I'm not sure if everyone is familiar with the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian, but actually it's kind of the wild left out there when it comes to yeah, <laughs> the I, term. I, exactly. That's why I was, I, I think it's important to kind of underline some of those specifics, right? When you're just starting to look for something like this and not know the difference, but it does make a difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. So actually there actually, there is no standard of practice for the word nutritionist. So you actually never know what you're going to get when you see a quote unquote nutritionist there, they are not nutritionists are not healthcare professionals. Um, Whereas registered dietitians, we have a standard of practice. We have to maintain our credential there's several different types of specialties within the registered dietitian credential, but all of the registered dietitians at Kalina Health are all clinical dietitians. So with that comes very comprehensive training in clinical inpatient and outpatient. All of our dietitians have at least a year of experience working in hospital settings. And so we have this really strong clinical background, but at Kalina, we do an additional training around counseling and behavior modification and personalized medicine and lifestyle medicine. And that's what makes Kalina so special. Sounds like it, but I'd love to give kind of a picture, or, you know, maybe even an example of like what it looks like to use positive psychology and, and uh, behavioral modification, you know, and we're not just talking about I mean, this is a significant issue, IBS, but this is all of us, you know, with wanting to have the healthiest eating and, you know, nutrition possible. And we have bad habits, you know, and we have, we, I eat things that I know don't make me feel great because they taste so good, you know, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) things like that. 
Um, or a number so, of other reasons, right? We don't yeah. just eat in a vacuum. It's we, we eat for so many different reasons. It's cultural, yeah. it's emotional, it's, you know, accessibility, that nutrition is so complex and such an important part of our lives. You know, we eat for celebration. Uh, we eat for social contact, right? There's, it's so important to think about nutrition as a part of our lives that isn't just supporting our health, but just supporting, you know, the, our social health, our mental health, right? And so when we care for people around their nutrition, we have to take into account all of those things. Mm -hmm. We have to really understand what contributes to somebody's eating pattern, their health literacy, and what are sort of the underlying clinical things that we can do to provide, you know, our expertise, but also behaviorally, right? Yeah. If we want someone to change, we can't just tell them to change. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> I wish it worked. It would be a lot easier. <laughs> I know, right? Just, yeah, here, here's the formula follow this and, you know, we'll just pretend you don't have emotions or feelings or, you know, family histories around food, you know, and of course it makes sense in our, we can even get it. It's not like people argue with like, yeah, I understand that this is good for me, but the actual process. And I think that's something that's so important. I think in our culture today, you know, everything is like five easy steps to great abs or, you know, like fix your eating, you know, with these 10 steps or, you know, in two months or whatnot. And we think that's how it's supposed to be. So if it's not that, then one, we think we failed. And two, we're just mad that it's a process, you know, or mad that, you know, shifting my habits or imagining a new lifestyle is we know is going to be positive, but the shifting of it is going to be a process that, and I don't know what your experience is. I know, you know, as a life coach and working with people, that's some of the biggest battle is getting that this is a journey and a process that can happen unfold. Some changes can be really quick right away. And the, the low hanging fruit of something that's easy to change, you know, or, or try, but then some of the more, the deeper embedded patterns and wiring takes hard work. And I, I think what you're talking about, right. And wouldn't that be nice if we could just hand them the instructions and they do it, but that's yeah. not where it's not going to happen. My co-founder always says, you know, nutrition is not quick and sexy. And we're selling people a false hope when we tell them that they can take a supplement or do five quick tips and change their lives. Yeah, there's definitely some low hanging fruit and we can get some quick wins. And mm -hmm. those wins are super valuable for supporting self-efficacy and confidence and building confidence and changing people's relationship with themselves around their health but it's still going to require work. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's why people need support. Right. I, I, I wish, I wish that everybody knew they can have support from someone who specializes in this area that also takes their insurance. And thank you for helping to spread the word about that, Gertrude. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. But if people knew that they can have support in doing this, the process so much easier. And, you know, I think people struggle with their health and achieving their health goals and it feels like this vicious cycle and they look to the internet, they look to powders and potions and supplements and influencers and it doesn't work. <laughs> <So Yeah. laughs> what does work is of course, personalization, right? So mm -hmm. making sure that you are not just trying a blanket diet or, you know, Googling something and following recommendations that you find on the internet. 
in order for us to achieve behavior change, we need to understand our motivations for behavior change. You know, what is our why? How can we connect our values and our strengths to the work that we're trying to do? Often mm-hmm. people feel so much shame around their health because they've been un- unsuccessful for so long, or maybe they have been treated poorly by other healthcare providers. Yeah. There's there's a lot to unpack when it comes to our health. It's deeply personal and really having a better understanding of why you're doing this work can really help to foster motivation and confidence. Um, So really doing that work with understanding your why, you know, understanding what motivates you, what is powerful, figuring out how you can connect to that on a regular basis is really important. And really like shaping your future, right? Having a clear vision of what it is that you want, you know, we are a strength-based, goal-based, our process is goals-driven, um, mm. but those goals are driven by our patients, not by us. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's something We don't that... tell them what their goals should be. Uh, no, oh. that's so much more empowering, <laughs> of course. Yeah. And that's like very non-traditional for most healthcare providers. You know, mm. you go to a healthcare provider and they tell you, you have to lose weight or you have to, you know, eliminate these foods or you have to manage your stress better, right? Like it feels like a little bit of like, we are telling you what to do. And while as experts, we're here to give you education and empower you to make changes based on like evidence-based recommendations, at the end of the day, you're the one who has to make the change, not us, right? (laughs) So, you know, working with our patients to co-collaborate on goals is something that is, at the core of what we do, you know, it's not about the goals that we think they should do. We're certainly here to say, this is, these are the evidence-based recommendations. This is what's worked for our patients. But at the end of the day, we need to work with our patients to make that personalized and very specific to them. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I think that's, you know, such a key part of this, right? Because healthcare in general, you know, has become such a ginormous you know, business, when you get to those scales, it's like, well, we have to just kind of slot people into, if you have like these few symptoms then it must be this and here's what you do as opposed to the time it takes to give personal attention, you know, to really try and uncover and, and look at the nuances that any particular individual has that might be a little bit different. So, you know, you might have this person take this supplement and, you know, look at it this way where it's totally different, even though on paper, they might look exactly the same, you know, but by actually being in relationships, you know, part of what I'm hearing in this conversation, um, Tamar is, and I'm really on this thinking lately, just in general, like in work I'm doing, talking to, it's like the really good work can't happen unless we're bringing in the science, you know, and the emotions, right. The left brain and the right brain, the, the feminine and the masculine, if we want to look the yin and yang, like, Mm -hmm you know, just kind of intuiting it all. I think there's a lot, a lot of credence in that, but when we have science, you know, that can show some of the, the chemical aspects of it, the, you know, the, the studies that showed, well, people who did this got these results and it worked, it all works together, but not, you know, one or the other, you know, but what you're talking about, which takes more time, which is why I think we've been failing in our healthcare system because we have to do, we have to, you know, 
healthcare providers have to see like a hundred people a day and that's yeah. gonna, what's going to lose out is the actual relationship and rapport and getting to know someone. So I love hearing when people are dedicating, you know, themselves to that, you know, to the, and not buying into that, that model and have uh, the impact that you want to have in that way that feels so good. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico, Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Yeah, the system is definitely a little bit broken, right? Like you said, (laughs) we're we're, um, physician burnout is at an all-time high. I mean, we are supporting people's lives physicians are on the front lines of mm-hmm. healthcare, and you know they're they have some of the highest rates of suicide right like everything is challenging and <laughs> so there's a, like a lot of work to do but we're lucky as registered dietitians who take insurance we get to see our patients every single week for the most part so yes. a lot of people have great coverage depending on their insurance plan and so that gives us the time and the space to do the work that actually moves 
the needle, so to speak, in terms mm-hmm. of health outcomes. Well, and I love it because, you know, with the insurance component, you can reach a wide range of people, you know, not honestly, just the people who could afford to pay for it out of pocket, you know? So I, I love right. that this, you know, your model allows for that expansiveness, which is also really beautiful. So we've touched on it and kind of talked about the inner work that needs to happen, you know, when we're, when we're working with in this arena. So can you talk a little bit about like, I'm not, you know, putting you on the spot to talk about yourself personally, but you can either use yourself or, you know, an example of a client, obviously not using their name or someone, you know, what does it look like to do the inner work around this? If you could give kind of some specific examples, like what is the, some mindset or beliefs that you've worked with people to change so that they could be successful? Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about my personal journey and can also talk about some that of my patients as well. But um, for me personally, I literally, Gertrude, I did all the things. I got all of the tests. I went to like five conventional medicine specialists. I did pelvic floor PT. I went to a rectal surgeon. I went to a GI who specializes in motility. I um, you know, tried the medication. I tried the alternative nutrition stuff. I saw a naturopath doctor. I mm. <laughs> the chiropractor. <laughs> I literally did all the things to feel better. Yeah. And the journey of doing that was very frustrating and exhausting. And mm. I think for me, I really had to take a step back and really do a data collection, right? What has worked? I've done all of these things. What has made me feel better? What hasn't made me feel better? Hmm. Um, You know, is like what's happening with my stress levels? Um, Is the stress of pursuing all of this testing and doing all of this testing and trying to find answers causing more stress that's actually contributing to some of my GI symptoms, um, the brain and the gut are really intimately connected. And so studies show that people with IBS, for example, are much more likely to have anxiety and depression and vice versa. We don't really know what came first, the chicken or the egg, but our gut produces more serotonin than our brain does, right? And so we know that stress does have an impact on our gut health, right? And I really had to think about my experience with stress. And I, I, in my personal history, I have quite a lot of trauma from my childhood. And so revisiting that trauma was a big part of me sort of working through the stress that was exacerbating my GI symptoms. And, you know, of course I did that with the help of a therapist um, and continue to do that. And, and that seeing the results of that really helped to change my relationship with food and, you know, being able to see a tangible direct impact between um, my trauma and how that manifests behaviorally and in my thought patterns. And then that manifests physically with, with my gut. And so seeing that and like really leaning on the data and collecting that data, understanding that data and being able to be empowered by the data really helped to support my changes in in my mindset and my relationship with food, which then helped to support my symptoms. Of course, you know, I did a lot of work with managing my condition medically and from a nutrition perspective, but coming at it 
from a holistic perspective and a data-driven perspective really supported mindset shifts, which then supported my behaviors, which also supported my outcome. Uh, I love that. Thanks. Thanks for bringing that piece in. Cause I think when, once people can, you know, kind of start picturing themselves and well, and the, the thing I really, and I'm glad you were willing to share it is that aspect of, you don't know how our, what's happened to us in the past is impacting our physicality. You know, it doesn't, it isn't always a direct correlation, right. But uh, I love how you brought in, like, why is the stress of my life impacting my body this way? But Oh, another piece of it is this deeper work from the trauma from my past. And wow, isn't it interesting that as I work on that, these modalities that maybe I tried, but weren't working are having a a, a better effect. It's not exactly what you said, but I'm thinking about my own experience. Yeah. <laughs> some of this is, uh, is that is um, just how intertwined the emotional aspect is and, you know, things, uh, I mean, our cells have emotional memory, you know, there's things hanging out in our body from our past and until we, you know, kind of plumb those depths. And I think sometimes our body's either telling it, you know, trying to give us signals to like work on it, or it's just a matter of course that, you know, something is going to show up in our life in some way that hopefully we get the, you know, the listen to the sign that like, oh, maybe this is a good time for me. Now, ideally, we don't wait for those times and we just proactively, you know, decide to live our best life and, and get the most <laughs> out of it. Um, you know, things are going great. So yeah, looking at, you know, we'll, we'll dig into that work anyway, but often as humans, it, it takes some sort of transition or difficulty or challenge to prompt us, you know, to do it. And yeah, I'm thinking about particularly when it comes to kind of this aspect of, of food and health and our bodies. Um, and I share this story a lot. So somebody's probably heard it on my podcast before, but the one aspect of it that I'm particularly relating to here is when I started on my conception journey. Uh, you know, the first thing that that happened was I I wasn't getting a period after I went off birth control. So luckily I was kind of in a space already where I looked at things fairly holistically, you know, it wasn't, um, but so I wanted to kind of get everyone's opinion you know, on what was going on here and what I was going through. And I, it just became so clear to me that if I didn't know that a holistic approach, you know, and getting different voices from different arenas was useful, including the emotional component, I probably would have just stuck with the typical Western medicine, you know, and that was kind of very formulaic and, oh, you're not getting your period. Oh, okay. We'll put you on this pill and that will help you ovulate. And then if that doesn't work, then I'll send you to a fertility specialist. And if I didn't know any better, I'd be like, okay, that's what I do. But I don't know what exactly path that would have taken me on, but if I hadn't also then brought in, so then I went to an MD acupuncturist. So she, you know, kind of had her foot in both camps, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, did she mention that you know, you're underweight. And, you know, that wasn't like, I, I didn't have an eating disorder, but, you know, probably could have been borderline of, you know, not. Uh, so I was probably a good 10 pounds underweight. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's like, that might be impacting. And she, But she had the foresight to say, not just say like, so gain weight, you know, and then I'll, you'll fix it. It was like, I can tell you to gain weight, but until you work on emotionally, you know, what that is to you, you know, I mean, you might gain it, you might not, but it's this, this whole thing isn't going to work as well as you might think. So, 
Yeah. You know, I had some major, you know, epiphanies deciding to go on that, on that journey that never would have come to the surface if I wasn't like digging in deep, you know, and a lot of it was around fears of having a womanly body that could, that could have a baby because I was so actually terrified of it and afraid, but who, you know, I, in my mind and my conscious mind, it was just like, well, you know, you're just having trouble. And of course you want to have a child, you know, but my body was giving me a whole lot of other information that, had I not listened to it, I wouldn't have uncovered that. And then that's when things started to shift, right? That's when my body, you know, started reacclimating. But until I hit that point, I was doing the things, but it wasn't working, you know, so to speak. So I wanted to share that to add to it because this, you know, just reinforces that so much and just how important it is. And I think about, and I work with, you know, a lot of women who are either, you know, deciding if they want to have children, but are, you know, just getting started. And in our culture, it's like, there's this easy answer. Like, well, just start taking pre-marital, pre-marital, <laughs> prenatal vitamin. That's like the, some magic thing that like gets your, your body ready, you know, for conception. <laughs> like that's, and we, you know, we want that one answer and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm certainly not against that. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's so much more. And I think that's what you're providing people. And I'm so excited about is, is this bigger picture and, and journey of the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that story. It's so powerful. I think there's so many women, and which I'm sure you've talked on your podcast quite a bit about who have struggled with fertility. I myself also struggled to get pregnant for three years. And I, you know, I don't want to say I'm the picture of health (laughs) because we all have things that we can work on, but my nutrition is pretty rock solid (laughs) Um, and certainly prioritize movement and you know, maintaining a body weight that supports um, my health overall. And for me, it was more stress driven. I tried to get pregnant for three years. It it wasn't happening. That was very stressful. My feelings of inadequacy, feeling like my body was failing me. Um, I did IUI twice. It didn't work. And then over the pandemic, couldn't do any fertility treatments. <laughs> and mm-hmm. of course I got pregnant naturally, yeah. which, you know, happens all the time. So they say, uh, um, I, well, think- I just got goosebumps though. I don't want to dismiss it. I think that just what we're talking about, right? Like you were relaxed. You were like, well, we'll just, you know, see, you didn't have all some, probably there were other things that you weren't feeling as pressured about. And, uh, you know, that added, that was just kind of that next thing that needed to happen. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I will say at the same time, there's so many women that I've worked with who nutrition interventions, other lifestyle interventions around physical activity, regulating hormones, weight loss, weight gain has have has had a huge impact on their fertility, right? And so yeah. I think that's where the personalization is so important. We can't yeah. just assume somebody needs to lose weight or gain weight or eat, you know, a better diet or exercise more, exercise less, right? There's so many nuances when it comes to our health and the personalization is so important. I mean, I've had patients who I'm like, wow, you have multiple medical conditions that affect your fertility and, and you've been on birth control for, you know, 20 years and you got pregnant right away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like like, that's amazing. Like I am so happy for you. Um, (laughs) we're at the same time, you know, there's women who have never been on birth control, have no medical conditions that impact their fertility are already, you know, practicing, eating a balanced diet and exercising and 
are struggling with getting pregnant. So mm-hmm. it's such a, as I said, it's so nuanced and we can't just use food ex- and our weight exclusively to support our health. It has to be multifactorial. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm thinking about something of making somewhat of a leap, but not really because I want to, you know, bringing this context of mothering ourselves. Cause to me, this is all about, you know, this aspect of, you know, the work I do and rewriting the mother code is most important person we need to mother is ourselves because, you know, we're mothering everything, you know, and everyone. Um, and, but this process and what we're talking about here with, you know, the whole, this approach is, you know, what's right in line with mothering ourselves, because it's not any one piece of it. It's all of it, you know, together and doing the deep work and and working that far. And then um, I'll often say sometimes, you know, when I coach people or, you know, working with people like, okay, well, you know, you've been doing all this great work and you're doing well, but now we have the Olympics or kind of the, you know, your big test is coming up of the holidays, right. And holiday time. So, you know, it's, there's a whole different pressure, a whole different triggers, you know, for people that that come up in the holiday time. And even if you don't think that you participate or, or practice or are part of a holiday, you're still in the, it's still in your atmosphere and, and somebody is around you and you're getting invited to something, but are there any particular things you do or kind of bring up specifically or weave in um, around the holidays that support your, your clients? Yeah, such a good question, right? I love just to kind of go full circle here, talking about the low hanging fruit. (laughs) (laughs) We're usually spread pretty thin around the holidays. And I think it's really important for us to lean on that low hanging fruit that we know best supports our health overall, right? So what are the things that you are already doing or that you can do that aren't a heavy lift that make you feel good, right? For me, it's prioritizing physical activity. I know that when I exercise, even if it's just for 20 minutes, it has a huge impact on my energy levels, my mood, my mental clarity, right? And so if I can, you know, of course, most dietitians are type A and we're all perfectionists. And as a mother, I can, I can no longer do that, yes. <laughs> which has been helpful. Yeah. And so, you know, I tell my patients the same thing. And we at Kalina, our philosophy is to really encourage people to lean on the low hanging fruit that we know mm. has the biggest ROI and be flexible with yourself. Right. Okay. I know that physical activity is game changing for my mental and physical health. And so that's what I'm going to prioritize, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to do, you know, a one hour full cycle class five days a week and get up at 5am. Right. So for me, it's about being flexible, right? Like this morning Mm -hmm. I went for a 20 minute run outside and that was it. You know, sometimes I'll just stretch, um, but I'll stretch for 20 minutes and like get out the tension in my hips, which tends to be really tight. And that really helps to support like a release for me. And so while there are other things that I would like to do, sometimes I can't do them because of the holiday season. So I really manage my own expectations, shift my goals to oh, good. understand that, you know, this is a crazy time of year, both emotion- emotionally and environmentally, we are running around, we're traveling, we are going out more. It's time for us to take that into consideration and make more realistic 
goals for ourselves that we know are going to still continue to support our health. So that is really helpful for a lot of people. No, it really is. And I I think it's um, having compassion, allowing in the the reality, you know, of like, and not saying like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick to everything I'm already doing and, and know that we need to be a little flexible at the holidays. Um, and, and that what I really liked is like, what's the plan that feels right to me? You know, what is, what is going to work? And, and then I think, um, I think you said something like this, but I'm thinking about how I know for me, if I like go off that plan, even a little, it's like, well, I, you know, oh, I already messed up. So I'll just throw the whole thing out and, you know, to, really give myself a lot of leeway. And so I don't like just, you know, completely go off the deep end, so to speak, (laughs) but give myself, you know, I want to keep some parameters and and, and do it because I know I'll feel better, but I think the remembering, Oh, I'll know I'll feel this does make a difference. And, and then really celebrate myself when I, you know, when I achieve like what I, what I set out to do, I think those, everything that you said are such great, um, it's a great mindset, you know, to have during it. And and you might set specific goals, but I think it's a time to kind of um, relax on them a little, but, you know, know that my, I'm going to be optimal if I keep it up to a certain degree. Yeah. I think it's about being intentional, right? I think a lot of people, yeah. for example, struggle with alcohol during this time of year. And so if you know that you want to drink for joy or for relaxation, that's fine. But if you also know that there's a point past of mm-hmm. <laughs> drinking being being enjoyable or re- relaxing re- whether that's like going out however many and drinking however many days in a row or maybe there are a certain number of drinks that you know is your limit um being intentional about that stuff right so instead of saying i'm just not going to drink because i want to be healthy and i want to lose weight or whatever your goal is we can mm-hmm. say okay well i know i'm going to have four events this week I'm going to really want to drink at this event, at two of the four events. And, um, you know, I know that once I have more than two or three drinks, then I start to feel sick. I wake up the next day and I don't feel good. I don't sleep well. So I'm going to limit it to two drinks, you know, during those two occasions, right? So that's how you find something that's personalized and balanced um, that supports your mental health, but gives you the space to be flexible and have joy and experience some fun. Yes. No, that's wonderful. I love it. Um, and I, I'm going to ask uh, you to kind of share how people can reach you, get in touch with you and all that. And I'll be in the show notes because then I want to like ask you one last question before we actually like officially wrap up. So what are any and all of the ways that people can learn about you, Kalina Health and everything? Point them in all the directions. Yes. Yes. Um, well, I am excited to say that we actually offer this incredible free service to patients who are maybe interested in working with us, but are a little bit unsure or have a ton of questions. Um, We offer free discovery calls. So anyone can book a call with us um, and talk through our process. Um, We also do matching um, on those calls so you can speak with our coordinators to have a better understanding of who our team is and who might be the best person to support you on your journey. Um, We can talk through insurance. So you can book that free discovery call on our website, kulinahealth.com. And 
We have a ton of availability, so you can you know book a time throughout the week. We also you can also find us on Instagram at our handle is at Helena Health, and you can find me on Instagram at marsamuel.rd. Um, and we have a ton of free content on both of those platforms. My co-founder mm-hmm. Vanessa also has a really awesome platform. She's at at Vanessa Rosetto RD. Um, and so, yeah, you can find a, a ton of cool free stuff on our Instagram and on our website. Yeah. And sometimes it takes that, you know, like help our brain get over, you know, the, the concept of possibly trying something new, right. Is to, to get questions answered and talk to someone. And I love that you have these ways and, or learn something, like you said, you know, via your website or, you know, things that you share on Instagram. So, um, and Kalina is C-U-L-I-N-A health. Yeah. So I have happened to have no people with a last name Kalina, which is C-O-L-I-N-A. So I'm, oh, um, Kalina with a U, it's Latin for kitchen. Oh, good. Oh, I was going to ask how the, how you got the name. So I'm glad, so glad you said that because I forgot. That's beautiful. Um, okay. So we can find you uh, those ways, obviously we'll be, sh- you know, sharing this to as many people as possible to find out. And I was thinking this is a great time to get in contact with you. Cause a lot of people think like, Oh, I'll start the new year with, you know, looking at my health and, you know, get a fresh start. So I would imagine this is like the perfect time. So it's a great way to start, start off your year. Okay. Well, the question I always ask my guests and, uh, love, there's no, it's, it's not a test, um, you know, no right or wrong answer. <laughs> and I always love the answers that I do get, which is what does rewriting the mother code mean to you? I think, so I'm a new mom. My daughter is yeah. one and a half. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I think for me as a working mom, I have to be completely transparent, struggled a ton. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's really hard. I know everyone can relate that being a mom is hard. Um, And certainly the working moms out there, there's a a added layer of difficulty. Um, And so I think for me, it's about giving myself grace, knowing that I am a good mom, I am a good Mm -hmm. co-founder, right? There is no good or bad. It's about learning and mm-hmm. and growing and growth and um you know being gentle with myself doing the best that I can but also to go back to this kind of holiday situation managing my expectations knowing yes. that I have a lot going on in terms of my responsibilities and I'm not going to be perfect in at any of those responsibilities and that's okay oh I love that yeah and this is particular a time because there's all that that you're navigating and dealing with as a a mom and then a a mom who has a business, you know, so you have multiple jobs, um, (laughs) careers once you, uh, so we have, you know, cultural beliefs and then you get to the holidays and there's so it just heightens, right. That's why I call it the Olympics of like dealing with all this stuff because everything is like, it's a lot. So I love (laughs) what you're saying about like thinking about it for yourself and like what, what, what is going to be a meaningful time for you? And how do I navigate all of this that feels right to me? And that's what I was hearing that I, I love and want to underline for you. Well, this has been so fun and such a pleasure. I'm so excited that we got to be together and talk. And it has me thinking of a number of things as I go into the holidays and, and just for myself, <laughs> um, <laughs> my health and all that good stuff. So thank you so much. 
Thank you, Gertrude. It was such a pleasure meeting you. I'm glad I can be helpful for your holiday mindset shifts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I hope other people get something out of it, but I know I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no. Subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.